0: Of Elijah, declaring the
1: word of the Lord. Welcome to a live preaching message from Lighthouse Chapel International Manhattan, New York. Lighthouse Chapel International Manhattan is the apache branch of the Lighthouse Chapel International Churches in the United States of America, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively for present day living. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation of Bible based instruction to our church members to equip them to preach and teach the gospel wherever they might be. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message.
0: presence of Jesus the Nazarene and I wonder how he first loved me a sinner condemned unclean I stand Amazed in the presence of Jesus, the Nazarene, and I wonder how he chose to love me. I sinned condemned. How marvelous. How my belongs. Oh, how my wonderful. Yeah. Oh, shall I ever. How marvelous, Lord. You've been so good to me. I You've been so kind to me. Savior's love for me. I stand amazed, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus, the Nazarene. And I wonder, and I wonder. I stand amazed, I stand amazed in the presence of the living God. Oh Lord, we say thank you, the Nazarene, and we wonder how He first loved us. Sin condemn unclean. How oh, marvelous! Come on, lift your hands and let's worship the King of kings. He has done so much for us. And my soul, oh how oh, marvelous! You've been so good to me, Lord. You've been so kind to me all that is my say just love for me. He took my sin. For them all to cover, He suffered and died alone. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them uh, His very own. He bought them all to cover he suffered, he died alone, oh, how mad, the Jesus is so good, I just cannot imagine, if he hadn't died for me, where would I be? one unique place
1: pray over the offering. Father, we thank you for this offering. Bless it for the use of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Reverend is preaching in California. Yeah, he's in the Oakland area. He's in branching I don't know whether they are still in San Ramon or whether they, they moved to Oakland itself but he set out for Oakland on Friday and he's preaching there this morning and he will get back sometime tomorrow morning and go straight to the hospital so uh, it is his normal way of life the rest of us are used to it according to my sons they don't even ask too many questions this day is he at home is he not there I mean Okay, where is he this time? That's the kind of question they ask, or they don't ask at all. But um, he sends you his greetings. He misses all of you very much this morning. And um, like Alfred was reminding us, today is Palm Sunday. It's the beginning of Holy Week, and even though we are a charismatic church, we should remember standard things in the Bible. Because Bible is Bible, whether you are charismatic or not. You get what I'm saying? So... This morning, I'm not going to talk about Palm Sunday. I understand that Pastor Davis did a good job of it, but it marks the beginning of Holy Week. Reverend will be preaching himself on Thursday and Friday. Mark your calendars. Try and be there. I know for sure that it's not a holiday for most people, but um, if you want to be there, you'll be there. It's two evenings. You're going to be a bit tired, but if you want to be there, you'll be there. And I believe you'll be coming back from Oakland with... uh, with some power and some fresh anointing, so you shouldn't miss the service. This morning, I want to talk to you about... What do I want to talk to you about? Okay, I want to talk to you about the wisdom that comes from above. The wisdom that comes from above. It's a message I heard Lady Reverend preach, uh, Bishop's wife, and it had an impact on me, and I believe it will help you as well. Turn with me in your Bible to James chapter 3, There's something about the light or my eyes or both. Hmm. That's what happens when you don't preach for quite a while. One of the things about, sorry, I shouldn't move this. I'm not supposed to move it, you see. Okay. So I'm leaving it where it is, and I pray that I remember most of it without... No, no, don't worry. No matter where you move it, the light is kind of weird. And I probably need my glasses on anyway. So we are reading from um, James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, the wisdom that comes from above. We are supposed to learn a memory verse, right? That's what, okay. So, okay. What's the memory verse we are learning? Matthew 26, 24. The son of man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Matthew 26, 24. Pastor Davis, let's make it easy. How many parts did you divide it into in the first service? It's Pastor Davis here. Two parts. Okay. Okay, Anita. So where does the first part end and where does the second one begin? You see, my husband is better at teaching things. Um, you need three parts? Okay, the psalm. And I want us to read in our Bibles from James chapter 3, verses 15, verses 13 through 18. Sorry. 13 through 18. James 3, 13 through 18. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for today. we thank you for your word we thank you that your word is a light unto our path and a lamp for our feet i pray that this morning lord your word will bring instruction that your word will bring direction that your word will bring correction that your word will affect your people the way you intended for your word to affect them Your word says that your word is like rain and it's like snow, that it comes down from heaven, and that, Lord, it doesn't return unto you void. This morning, let not your word return unto you void. We thank you and we bless your name and we give you praise. Amen. 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 James 3.13, it says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Verse 14 says, but if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. You see, the thing about wisdom is that there are two types of wisdom. There's earthly wisdom, and then there's what the Bible says is godly wisdom. Now, earthly wisdom depends only on the five senses. It depends on your sight, your hearing, your taste, your touch, your smell, or your taste. If, you're, if a Christian depends on only earthly wisdom, then of what you use is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that they that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So here you are, you are never led by the Spirit. You go only by earthly wisdom, by your five senses, by your education, by whatever uh, environment you were brought up in, and you live your entire life by that. The, according to the Bible, no Christian is supposed to live like that. And the Bible says that a baby Christian lives by this earthly wisdom because you see, when you are a baby Christian, this is when you do whatever you feel like doing. You you do what things that are just based on your five senses. You don't go by godly wisdom because godly wisdom is what controls you and stops you from only going, doing what your your five senses tell you to do and only what your environment tells you to do. So this morning, I want there's a lady in the Bible. Her name is Abigail. And we're going to learn from her life how to exercise godly wisdom no matter your circumstances. You see, typically you wonder, why would you choose Abigail? I mean, I was wondering myself, why did Lady Reverend pick Abigail? But then as I read, as I listened to her over and over again, I realized that she's a great example of godly wisdom. Because, you see, she was married to a polygamous king. Uh, life can get more complicated than that. You get me? Yeah, yeah, I mean, because, you see, b- b- living in a polygamous system, um, I think it was Lady Reverend who told me, said, those of you who grew up in monogamous homes, you lack a certain ability to even discern hatred and strife, and where to, you don't know how to live among people who don't really like you. People who I mean, you don't you, you can't even tell when you're not liked. You can't tell when you're hated. You don't have uh, what she calls a certain street wiseness. That comes even to a rich man's kid who lives who lived in a polygamous situation. Because you are used to your nuclear family, you are used to your mom and your dad and your siblings. And even though you fight among yourself, basically you love each other. You get what I'm saying? And so you take that whole that thing out into the world. You get me? And, and and you are amazed time and time and time again. It's a type of wisdom and you don't have it. Because you grew up in a nuclear family. It's because everything has advantages and disadvantages. You get what I'm saying? Yes. So, but people who grew up in polygamous situations, they can read the situation like leaves in water, like, like a seer reading leaves in water. You see, they have been around. One of, one of my other friends said to me that, you see, if you have lived in your stepmother's home before, you know when a smile is not a smile. It is because you don't have a stepmother that you don't know that not every smile is a smile. You you get what I'm saying? Because when you get home and your dad is there, your mother is smiling, the smile is genuine. You, you, You get what I'm saying? Even when your mother is angry with you, you know that the smile is genuine. But for those of them who had stepmothers and hung around stepmothers, they understand that some smiles are smiles in the presence of their master. They understand that the smile does not mean that when everybody else is offering an opinion, you should also offer an opinion. They understand, it's just a certain wisdom. They understand that even though your half-sister is wrong, you are not supposed to say so. You get me? But you, with your nuclear family wisdom, everything you think, you say, you blurt it out. You do the same thing in the office. You don't like the boss. When the other people are talking, then you talk. The next thing you say, when there's time for someone to go, they said you said it. You weren't the only one thinking of it, but you, you have this thing where you assume that you can be yourself everywhere. You know, like they say in this country, your mom doesn't work here. It means that there's no unconditional love for you in this place. So, uh, grow up and, um, and don't be so much of mommy's girl, daddy's girl, but mommy's boy and daddy's girl. I think it's usually the other way. Grow up. If life doesn't work that way a lot of the time. You wish it did, but it doesn't. So, First Samuel chapter 25 Verses 1 through 3. We'll come back to James later. It's quite a long passage. And I'm going to read many more verses than that. But let's start with the first three. The Bible says, And Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him, and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And He was sharing his sheep in Carmel. Before we go, and I want to say that back in the day that they are talking about, if you owned a lot of sheep and a thousand goats, you were really wealthy. So this man is like some of the celebrities that you've been spending your time watching on reality TV. You get me? He has a fleet of cars, and he wears a lot of chains, and he has a fleet of planes. He drives, he flies to um he flies to Europe uh, to Portofino. He lies on a boat. You know all the. Nonsensical things that you like looking at. So this man had all those things. And a thousand goats and he was sharing his sheep in Camel. He was a really wealthy man. Then verse 3 says that, now the, now the name of the man was Nabal and the name of his wife Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings. And he was of the house of Caleb. So let's stay here for a while. Now, you see, typically, when people say, are describing a couple, typically, it's the man who is nice, the wife is always bad. You go i and say, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. The man is, the guy is nice, his wife is bad. That's the normal description, you get me? Especially, yeah, typically, the man is nice, ah, but the wife. But, it, but, but this verse shows us that there are different types of couples. This particular couple, the wife was the nicer person to know, and the... And Nabal was uh, cherished and evil in his doings. But when you get to the book of Luke, I believe, the Bible says of Zechariah and Elizabeth that they were both righteous. So, you see, there are different types of couples. And when you are dealing with a married couple, you should know the type of couple you are dealing with. When you are, those of you who have become marriage counselors, you should know the type of couple you are dealing with. There are some, there are some couples, the balance of power in the house rests with the wife. And the sooner you figure it out, you'll be able to deal with them better. Then there are some couples, the balance of power rests with the man. Then there are some couples, there's no law where they are, so it's a free-for-all. Even when they are fighting, it's a free-for-all. Everybody says whatever they feel like saying. So you have to know what type of couple is sitting before you, before you open your mouth. Something that works in a house where the man is in charge will not work in a house where the woman is in charge. If you want, want to bring them peace, there are some things you don't say. You will be causing more trouble. Because the, 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 the family is not operating with that dynamic. And so you have to read it. And then you don't go and tell everybody, you see this house, the woman is in charge. You no, know, you don't say anything. You just tell her your advice and the counsel. It's the same Bible verse. One Bible verse works in this house. Another one works in that house. And then there are some houses, no Bible verse works. Lady Pastor Emma and Major mefo when he was alive, they went to visit a couple. They say, every time you come here, you say, the Bible says, the Bible says. You don't live here. You can't come and be saying, the Bible says. It depends on the couple you are dealing with. You get me? So, let's, re- let's read on about Abigail. That's just by the way. Different couples you are dealing with. Verse 4. Rose a, hmm. You can't let it freeze him. You can't let it freeze. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did share his sheep. And David sent out ten young men. And David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. Isn't David being polite? He said, greet the man in my name. Very polite. And thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity, peace be both to thee and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. Still very polite. You see, David was a soldier, he was a rough man, he had been a shepherd, but he still knew how to be polite. When you want, you're asking someone for something, be polite about it. Even if it's a child you are asking, be polite about it. And now I have heard that thou hast shearest. Now thy shepherds which were with us, we heard them not. Neither was there aught missing unto them. All the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes. For we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servants, And to thy son David. He even made himself the guy's son. Even if he was about the same age or not not young enough to be called a son, maybe more like an older brother, you know, he said all the right things. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearest and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those things. And David said unto his men, Get you on every man his sword. And they gathered on every man his sword. And David also gathered on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the staff. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master. And he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them, when we were in the fields. They were a unto us both by night and day, all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Verse seventeen says, "Now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master." and against all his household. For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. Verse 18. Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves and two bottles of wine and five sheep, ready dressed, and five measures of parched corn, and an hundred clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs, and laid them on asses. Before we go on. I want to say that the thing about Abigail is that she was married to this difficult polygamous man that the servants and everybody else was probably afraid to approach. A lot of us, no matter how, I mean, you see, sometimes it's not a difficult marriage you have, but you have other difficulties, and you use that as an excuse to not do anything in life, in church. Everything is about the difficulty. A lot of other people have difficulties, but they manage to serve God. They manage to love God. They manage to do what they need to do and what they are expected to do. So you alone, why is your difficult situation? Can you imagine this person, even the young men whom David sent, they said exactly what their master said. They were so polite. They just said what he said, and he still sent them away. And he didn't just say, no, I mean, no, I won't give it to you. He added a few... Choice words, that's the phrase. Choice words for, um, for their consumption and for their master's consumption. You, you, you get what I'm saying? So there's no circumstance. So She's living with a very difficult person. But if you are living with a difficult person, there is a way to comport yourself and make sure that you are not the difficult person. Because sometimes you say that the person is the difficult person. But all the neighbors who are looking say that. That's... The difficult place. It's very relative. Difficult is relative. Difficult is relative. Just that because you are the difficult one, nobody can tell you and nobody has told you. But all the people are thinking. You see, you never know. You see, like I was telling you about those of us who take everything at as, as, as face value. And I had to grow up and stop doing that. I mean, the fact that someone is smiling at you and saying nothing back doesn't mean they agree with anything you are saying. That's another thing that was a big surprise to some of us. It's because we've, because if, when we don't agree, we speak up. And because when you don't agree, you speak up. You haven't met the phlegmatic. You see, the phlegmatic when they don't agree with you, they don't say anything. A person is smiling. The person is saying nothing. The person doesn't believe a word you are saying. It's not convinced. It's not persuaded. Doesn't think so at all. Just like that, because you haven't met those people, that's why you think. uh, You see, you, you get me. So, just learn, learn what Abigail learned. You see, he, the servant could come up to her. The young man could come up to her. She was approachable, in spite of her status. She was approachable. Your husband only has one car, and you are not approachable. Your husband has two cars, and one of them he's still paying for, and you are not approachable. Sometimes it's paying for both cars still, month by month. We are all praying that in the house that nobody will fall sick. Because if somebody falls sick, the car will be repossessed, the house will be foreclosed. One paycheck, Even had a very funny friend. It was a doc, he said, look, even a lot of people are living one paycheck away from homelessness. It's just one paycheck. Then some people is two. Then some people is three. It's a state of life. And you can live in that stage no matter how much you are paid. You are just one paycheck, two paychecks, three paychecks, four paychecks. The day you can't go to work. It's a reality. And for for, for some people, it's the beginning of life, so there's no choice. But for those of us who have been around for a while, the question is why? Why? In the house we live in and all the things the bishop says about debt, the question is why? She was an approachable person. So you ask yourself, the Bible says she was a woman of good understanding. How did she end up with a man like Nabal? How did she end up with an evil, difficult, treacherous husband? A few possibilities. I'm sure you can come up with your own. A few possibilities. Maybe she married him before she got born again. Maybe she married him before she got to know the Lord properly. Maybe You see, you must always make excuses for people. Maybe um, the usual story is that the neighbors can see, but you cannot, love is blind, the neighbors are not. So people could see that that is how he was, but you, you, you refused to see until the wedding was over. You get what I'm saying? So there are various possibilities, but having found herself in the difficult situation, she was still approachable. Why are you so unapproachable? Young woman, why are you so unapproachable? You say you want to be married. Every convention somebody has and says that if you are not married, you want to believe God for a spouse, you come and stand in the line. You see, what you should remember is that some of us, we've been here for a while. You get me? We've we've gone to other branches and then we have come back. We've been here for a while. So if you are going to come and stand in the line, the Bible says that. Christ is both the power and the wisdom. So the power is the standing in the line for the man of God or the woman of God to touch you. Then the wisdom is your part. What is making you so unapproachable? Why are the young men afraid of you? So many S. Okay, maybe fear is the wrong phrase, but so the way you carry yourself. One lady pastor told me that. She's married now. She said, look, She went to London some years back when she was younger and not so wise. And there was a man who was interested in her. He was introduced to her. And he said he was taking her shopping. So when he took her to the shop, I said, when she got there, I said to her her that, he didn't know you well. He would not have made this offer. So she, because even now in the converted stage, she's not easy when it comes to money. So she said, he asked what she wanted. Hey, Christian sister She said nothing she picked If I remember right, nothing she picked was under 200 pounds This is 10, 12 years ago A person who is just thinking of marrying you So I asked her I knew the answer to the rest I knew why she wasn't married to him I asked her what happened after that She said he never called her again so He said he's a wise man One shopping trip Hey, it's it's, it's, it's a form of being unapproachable. The cheapest thing she picked was 200 pounds and over. Even then, that was her taste. And those of us who know her were laughing because even now, in the more spiritual state, her taste is not simple. But, I mean, a lot of things are getting better. So, we all thank the Lord. If you want to marry, you have to be approachable. And you see, not approachable by people who cannot marry you, but you have to be approachable by the people who can actually marry you. Last time we checked, polygamy was a crime in this country. The last time I checked, Nicola, isn't polygamy a crime in this country? It's a crime. You get what I'm saying? So, if you are only nice to married men, it's a good thing, it's a Christian behavior, but you have to move one step further and be kind to unmarried men. <laughs> Niceness to married men is quite useless, oh. Because, number one, no matter what they tell you, most of them are lying, if they, if they are telling you something. Number two, their wives ain't going nowhere. <laughs> their wives ain't going nowhere. Very few of the wives have a plan of going anywhere. It's common sense. You don't even need a verse. A person that you help to put through school, now that he has something in his account, who should go where? A person you have fed before, now that he has some money, who should go where? One of my friends said, even when he's annoying, I don't move. Unmovable, unshakable, always (laughs) abounding. Where are we? Where, Where are we going? A person you helped put through school, a person who could not have finished grad school without your paycheck. Today, nowhere, nowhere, nobody's going anywhere. So, niceness to a married man is a good policy taking care of unmarried men is a good policy, so long as you don't overdo it. It's a good policy. Nobody's wife is going anywhere. Even the unbelievers are not living, let alone the believing ones. <clears throat> Nobody's going anywhere. And maybe she will die. Very few people die in this America here. Very few people die. Very few people die. Lady Reverend said one of the occasions in life from which she learned a lot was Mrs. Saki's pass, the first Mrs. Saki's passing. She said, Hey, the aggression to be the next, Mrs. Saki. She could say, look, before you see something I want to say that it's somebody else's church. But this one alive, Kodesh. Hey. So, so so be nice, be approachable it will help you a whole lot. Can you be advised? Can you be advised? Or you are the kind of person that your shepherd and your pastor prays for boldness to tell you something, and they get into trouble with their senior pastors all the time because of the rumors about you. Can you be advised? Can somebody even come and say that, Sister, X, Y, Z, D, and E, so the Bible says this. Or, is your pastor afraid? The lady pastor is afraid? Depending on who you are, when the pastors discuss something, everybody laughs and everybody leaves it alone. And then when there's somebody else, the person will be told. But depending on who you are, can you be advised? Like Abigail, a servant could change her mind. A servant A young man, one of the young men, one of the many young men, not even the special one or the highest one, but one of the many young men could come and tell her that, look, do something. Do something. I mean, change your mind. Don't just relax here. Whatever you are doing, polishing your nails, going to the spa. I mean, all those things, they can't be done if you are dead. And the man and his people, they are coming to kill us. And you are the only one who can do something about it. So do something about it. Be approachable. Wealthy Abigail could be approached. How about you? We don't know how much you have in your bank or in your bank account. We don't know what your W two says. Like some a president that we know, there's no W two filed. There's no W two going to be filed. We don't know how much you have, but be approachable. Now, same presidents are It means that presidents who have come these days. No W-2's filed. You see, she was so approachable. She was very different from her husband. You see, you can live with someone and be very different from the person. So your husband can be very spiritual, and you can be very unspiritual. Or the reverse is also true. The wife can be very spiritual. The husband can be very unspiritual. I told you earlier on, there are different types of couples. You can have a best friend. The Bible says that two will be working in the field. One will be taken. The other left. So here she is, she can be advised, but Nibal, somebody you don't know comes and says that this man says this. And you can even check the facts. Did he really protect the property? Did he do this for you? Was he kind? Was, did he help? But no, I will not be advised. And you see that they ended up in two very different places. The other thing about Abigail is that purity of heart and mind and motive. Sometimes the purity is only in the, in the words we speak, but the motive is not right. You see, because when, you, when, you, when, when we hear about Abigail, she, one thing she did is that she didn't have a meeting with the servant about David's faults. She, said, you are, she didn't say you are preaching to the choir. She didn't say you, are now, you, are come, you people have now seen that he is evil and chelish and all the things that you are saying. I live with him. I am the one. I am married to him. I am married to him. Look, please take me back to that verse where the servant talks to her. Uh, before before uh, uh, after this. Uh, verse, now therefore, know and consider what thou wilt do. For evil is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. Verse 18. You see, so then then she made his, she took action. She didn't have another meeting about how bad Nabal was. She didn't say, who, who would know better than Abigail all the things the servant is saying? But she didn't join the discussion. She didn't have a meeting. Sometimes you have to ask yourself, for what reason am I saying that this person is evil? Am I saying it as in it to help the situation? Or am saying it so that everybody will know what a bad, evil person the person is? But Abigail was not like that. It's time to take action. It's time to do something about the situation. It's not time to talk about how evil the person is. That's not what it is. So, she, see, she, she had... She, she didn't do that at all. And too many of us, when we read Abigail's story, then we begin, begin to tell everybody. As for my husband, he is this. You see, it's one thing when you are telling your pastor for her because you want advice. One thing you are telling lady pastor because you want advice. But when it gets to the spreading to people who can do nothing about the situation... Then why are you spoiling the person's reputation? Why are you destroying the person's reputation? You get me? If in, in, in everybody's marriage, you need a counselor or two to tell what you feel is your side of the story. But why are you destroying the person's reputation? I saying, Lady Pastor, you don't know my husband. I don't need to know your husband. I'm telling you that Abigail, even when she went before David, she said, she said that forgive all of us. She called herself his servant. She was humble about it. See, your attitude, mind you, the Bible says that you and I, we have all sinned. When it comes to God, all sin is sin. You see, we like saying all die be die. That one is not a verse. But all sin is sin. Now, there are many verses that support that. So we want to, you want to criticize the person, but what does God see about you and I? Because when you are concerned about what God sees about you, you see that even when you start narrating a story, you kind of swallow the words because, in another dimension, you also have your own issues that you are still praying about. So it is true your spouse is at fault, but tone down the paragraphs. You have the thing in paragraphs. The servant has actually brought himself as he has come to say that the man is. But okay, I'm glad that I didn't say it. It's good that other people have seen. Then you start giving reasons. One two, three, and you are still talking about somebody with whom you have children. And that fact is not about to change. And you are still talking about somebody you live with, and you haven't left. As Bishop told someone, if he's so bad, why are you still there? If she is so bad, why are you still there? You haven't left. Then, the thing about purity is that it has a sexual side, which a lot of Christians wish it didn't have. Especially the younger ones. But you see, we can't talk about purity in the Bible without talking about sexual purity. So, sexual purity, I'll make it brief. Reverend is not here. I don't want trouble. I just want to keep on moving. <laughs> sexual purity is like catsy for boys and girls, it's required of both Christian boys, girls, men, and women. You see, sometimes the men want us to say it's only for us, but the Bible does not say so. The sexual purity, boys, girls, men, and women. It is, I think the boys and the girls, these days, they get it. We say it a lot. And whether they are going to mind us or not, we say it enough. Flee youthful lusts. So it, we'll leave them alone for today. To, this, today, I won't talk to the married couple, couples in this part of the service. Listen, if your, wife, if your wife is not supposed to flirt, then you are also not supposed to flirt. It cannot be that it is right for you to flirt, and yet your wife cannot flirt. I meet too many Christian men who think that the other one works. If if your wife cannot fool around, <laughs> you also cannot fool around. If it's, I mean, if, if 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 she's your secretary, then he's also her boss. It's, it, 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 it's the same thing. An inappropriate relationship is an inappropriate relationship and you will reap what you sow. You get what I'm saying? Anybody can be like that. Dog, don't get me wrong. Sometimes the people whose dressing looks the most suggestive are, are actually the ones who are not like that at all. I had one of my shepherds in one of the other branches I pastored. When you see her, you will assume that she's the most promiscuous. She's not like that. It's just, she likes to dress that way. So people make a lot of assumptions about her and she doesn't care. But there are people who don't look it at all. They are so good at it that you are deceived. Their husband is deceived. Their in-laws are deceived. It is an amazing thing. They are are that good at it. You should be afraid of such people. You should be very afraid of such people. But all I'm saying is that if it's required of your wife, it's required of you. So if you don't correct your behavior and you come and tell me a lot of stories, and mind you, a pastor hears a lot of things without asking for it. I can mind my own business and hear many stories every day. My husband can mind his own business and hear many stories every day. So as you are bringing your wife's story, remember your own story. It doesn't work. Both of you, the Bible says you shouldn't do it. One of the things that Abigail knew was that timing is important. So when the servant told her, verse 19, she moved quickly. She organized the food. She saddled the asses. She went to David. She said all the right things. And then she, said, she sent the servants before her. Then she, but she told not her husband, Nabal. This is some people's excuse for shopping without telling their husband. But she told not. I mean, the, thing, the verses Christians can come up with. He said, but she told not her husband, Nabal, are you in a life and death situation? Are 400 or 200 men or whatever the number of the men in the passage, are they about to descend on you, your family, and your entire community? Your situation and Abigail's situation, they are not similar at all. But it is fantastic what people can think of when they need a verse to support something. And she told not her husband, Nabal. Ah! How? You you are are, are in the mall. You are buying dresses you can't afford. You get what I'm saying? With somebody's credit card. Why do you think that your situation and Abigail's are the same? Who is about to kill you? Which terrorists are on their way to your house? These two things are not similar. So don't use... This verse as an excuse for not telling your husband about the money things you are spending money on. Same goes for the other side, but I, I, I think I'll leave that one alone. You are sending money by Western Union to Accra. Okay, let me go there just a little. <laughs> you are sending money by Western Union to Accra. Or better still, to Osericu. So since you are sending money there, and your wife doesn't know, this verse cannot be your supporting verse. Two situations completely different. Completely different. In a marriage, things are supposed to be naked between the two people. So if you are going to do it, then tell the person about it. And if you can't tell the person about it, and you are doing it, you don't add God to it. Don't add this verse. Don't add any other verse in the Bible. You get me? I have a friend, she says that, I'm praying that Holy Ghost will cover his eyes. At least, now when she hasn't added a verse, she's praying as she's in the mall. She already knows she shouldn't be shopping. And as you have called her, she's telling you that she's praying that the Holy Ghost will cover his eyes. It's a wish of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so, she knows that timing is important. So, she does it quickly. And then she sends the servants. And then she says what she has to say. So, what I want to say about that is that if you have something to tell your spouse or your best friend or your boss or someone you share an apartment with, the timing is important. The method is important. The setting is important. When you are very angry, it's not a good time to speak, especially for us women. Most of us already have a voice which is already shrill. You get what I'm saying? So when we get angry, it is more shrill. Or I don't think shriller is a word, but shriller works. You see, it is shriller or more shrill so when you are very angry try and be quiet try. But a lot of us we all we don't learn it so we speak what we must speak but the timing is wrong the setting is wrong the met- method is wrong Abigail had his rights she went and met the needs of the person then she went with her requests to not destroy them but we, we won't meet the need of the master we won't meet the need if you, are, if, you are, if you are married, the Bible says your husband is your master. I didn't say it. Don't write me any letter about women's lip. Believe me, there's no theory on women's lip that I have not read way before your time. It's just that you are reading a newer version of what we used to read. So when you are telling me, I'm actually quite amused, you get me? That somebody should be reading the latest things on women's lip to me. You, you get what I'm saying? it was written before you were if you read the, the history of the movement it started long before you who were born in the 80s or the 90s so don't you think that the rest of us we met it somewhere and that we read we read some of it somewhere 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 even if we even 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 if someone doesn't have a degree they read it in some paper somewhere they read something we know we know before you came we knew before you came we knew and we are still where we are We don't agree with everything, but we are here. You don't have to agree because it's the Bible you are dealing with, ultimately. You don't have to agree with everything. You get me? So, be careful how and when you say things. The fact that there is women's lib doesn't mean that it applies when the Bible is being spoken. Does it mean that women should be abused? No. We don't believe in abuse either. And sometimes you are caught between a rock and a hard place. Pray for wisdom. Because there's definitely situations in which people are caught between a rock and a hard place. Pray for wisdom. But don't come expecting that because you are preaching women's lip or abuse against women or something, the word of God will change. The word of God hasn't changed for any of us. If it didn't change for us, it won't change for you. It's a method there's a setting. Say it at the right time. You haven't met, if your husband is, your, is, is, is the main breadwinner in your house, and you haven't met his needs, I suggest to you that it's a bad time to bring up money. Then there are times when even if you have met his needs, it's still a bad time. You heard the person angry about paying taxes. You heard the person, Yours truly, he's told you himself, middle of April, he's always angry. There's nothing I need that will make me ask him anything in April. Before April, I have money for everything I need to do. Because you know the person is already angry. It's a bad time to ask the person about money. It's a bad time to go and do something silly with money. Your boss in the office, he, he signs your paycheck. I suggest to you that it is always a bad time with your husband, sometimes it's a bad time, and sometimes it's a good time. You have to read the situation. With your boss, it's always a bad time. The person who signs your, ba- your paycheck, it's always a bad time to tell him something at the wrong time. Unless you are leaving. But if you are going to be staying, staying, it's a bad time. But that one I think we all get because we need our paycheck. I think we all get that one. Whether your boss is a 23-year-old girl or a 25-year-old girl, you don't mind. She can say whatever she says. You get what I'm saying? But that one we get. So timing, method, setting, very important when you have something to say and something to negotiate for. (laughs) The wisdom that is from above, you get me? It's easy to be entreated. Easy to be entreated. You're an approachable person. You know when to speak. You know when not to speak. Then the next thing I want to talk about is that she also was a woman of action, like I was saying earlier. You see, she was galvanized into action. A lot of us, when we have a problem, then we sit. We like to sit by the rivers of Babylon. <laughs> then we are there. Where, what, what, how does that verse go? By the rivers of Babylon, where, where, where we sat down and wept. When we remembered Zion. It's, a ba- it's not a good idea to be remembering Zion when your situation is that you are sitting by the rivers of Babylon. Zion is far away from Babylon on the map. Your location has changed. A- there used to be an old book called, Who Moved My Cheese? You see, you are looking for cheese. You are a mouse, and your cheese has been moved. And you are looking for, your cheese used to be here. You see, on this side of the pulpit. And events have moved your cheese over here. So you might as well just stay here and figure out how to get cheese here. But most of us behave as though our brains are small as the mice. We stay right here. Say, this is what I know how to do. This is how I know how to do it. There has to be cheese here. If there's no cheese here, I will not eat the cheese. You will die. You are a mouse. You need the cheese. You will die. You are a person. You need the money. You will die. Or you turn into a beggar. Don't look for things that way. She, look at how many things she puts together. 200 loaves, 2 bottles of wine, 5 sheep ready dressed, 5 measures of parched coin, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and lay them on asses. That's a lot of work right there. Even with servants, you have to be organizing the people. Even with a lot of servants, if you don't organize them well, you can't get this... All these things ready in a short while. Some of us, we can't get anything ready. Even dinner for four people is a problem. Before we even make the people six, dinner for three children and two adults is a problem. Hey, look how many things she organized. Because you see, if you if, if don't supervise servants, they can't put anything together. Even if you have money to call a caterer, even the timing of when you told the caterer to deliver the food, everything works on somebody who is galvanized into action. One of the things we've all learned from Lady Reverend, and we watch her and we are always amazed, it doesn't matter how many people are in her house. It doesn't matter whether it's something she's doing herself, whether servants are doing it, there's action. The kitchen is always moving, action. If she's not doing it herself, the supervision is done so well, everything will go well. She's concerned about the table, how it is set, whether the napkins are matching, this is here, that is there, this isn't here. And she can see a whole lot at once, no matter how many people she's serving. You get me? I mean, some action. You are saying, I'm not a woman, but okay, in your own life, as a man, I'm not a woman, I don't cook, I don't do anything, okay. In your own life as a man, when there is a problem and there is trouble, it's still time to move. The Bible says, now Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise. It's one of the verses I had to learn, and learn really quickly in my 30s. Because you see, there are some problems in life that you just want to sit like by the rivers of Babylon and cry. And I told you, some of us, we can cry because we're the kind of children who used to cry a lot. We're known for it. So you want to move into adulthood and cry. One time Bishop Adi told me that it's good that you are married to who you are married to because he's not moved by tears. <laughs> because if you had married somebody who was moved by tears, the person would have been, I mean, not have been able... It's because he said, he watches me moving around and said, this guy is good for you. My husband, if you cry, okay, he, he may talk to you for a few minutes, but the way he is and the things he has to do, he, he will still have to leave. If it's not church, it will be the hospital. One one of the two things will set his phone off. And since he has no intention of staying there and watching you cry, that is his escape. The phone goes off and he picks it up. It's gone. So now, therefore, arise. You see, as I'm telling you my, my story, you are laughing. But in your case, you still have to arise. You still have to get up and do something before you die, as they say. Now, therefore, arise, get up, and do something. This is not working anymore, so do something else. There's a, and sometimes some of us we look at how difficult the situation is. I remember standing in the subway. I must have been somewhere. No, I I don't even remember where I was. My son was sick. I was coming to school in New York. I studied the whole day. I was at miss the train. There was some last minute um, lecture I was supposed to go off go for, and the train was gone. And I had run down the stairs, and I was standing there crying. I was standing there. Crying. I said to myself, "What's the use of the tears? You go back up the stairs. You get another ticket. You get what I'm saying. And you try. It. And if you can, still can't get to the class, call your friend who can go to the class because." The cry is not helping. The train left already. I must have been about maybe 33, 34, but life was difficult. You know, the way life can be difficult soon after you move to this country. I've been here for about four, five, but it was just difficult. I was just, I couldn't believe I had missed the train. I was looking at the time. Just standing there, I just began to cry. Of what use is that yes? Catch the next train. Or go back to Jersey and call your friend. And then start figuring out, those days, we didn't have so many things that you could send around. You're actually going to need the notes. You get me? Of what use is the tears? And then there was, of course, by that time, I'd been married for long enough. I got married just before I turned 26. So by about 34, I know that even telling him is useless. You get me? story. It's not a good story to tell. I don't even think I told him that I missed the train. Because if I had told him, he would have added blasting to the cry. You paid for the class and then you missed the train. No, go and look for the notes. He would tell, I mean, all he would say that we are all in the same situation. I'm married to you. We have the same child. We have the same problem. I'm passing my exams. And so, since you don't want to hear about how he's passing his exams and you are struggling with yours, keep the story to yourself and pray some more. You pray and you move. I will never forget that day. When I see that station, I always remember. <laughs> By the rivers of Babylon. Yeah. And she's a peaceable person. You see, peacefulness, being peaceful. Some of us, it doesn't come naturally for us to be peaceful. You get me? It doesn't come naturally to be peaceful. Somebody said Jamaicans, I didn't say anything. Then there's a group in Ghana. They are called, I mean, Bishop calls them Germans. The Germans are coming. When the Germans are coming, it means that trouble is coming. Trouble. Trouble has come. This morning, when I was getting ready for church, a couple of my relatives were calling me. I said, Oh, no. No, not today. Not today. Not this morning. Can't afford this conversation. But I knew that if I didn't pick up, they would go on calling. So I called and acted as though I needed to go back to sleep, but I didn't need to. I wasn't going to sleep again. Because otherwise the story will not end. And I can't solve the problem. You get me? So I listened politely. And then I said that, oh, okay. Yes, what you have planned to do is good. Yes, it is good. It's a, yes, it is very good. And after I said it often enough, she let me go. I heaved a sigh of relief. I thanked my God and I hung up. I didn't agree with anything she was saying. But at a point, peacefulness is more important than getting involved in this situation I can't do anything about. I can't do anything about the situation. I don't agree with how she's solving it. If I go there, I will do it differently. But since she's there now, it's okay. It's okay. I've learned. I've learned the hard way. No, no. It's not. The Bible says blessed are the peacemakers. So if you are not, the Bishop says that depending on where you come from. See, somebody said Jamaica and then the Germans. So the rest of you are sitting there laughing at us. But if you come from any of these two places, as Bishop said, assume that you are naturally quarrelsome. Assume it. And back off from every fiery situation. It's not because, you, you see, because of your, where you come from, you naturally want to engage. But when you feel the first engagement, back off. And B, it's a good policy to have. Then those of us who are looking at us as though you don't have any fights. Sometimes, I always tell my husband when somebody is cantankerous and they are not German or Jamaican. I always tell him. I say, hey, please, it should be noted that this person is not German. And then he looks at me and said, that's the sign that you are a German. <laughs> the fact that you want to point out that the person is not German. I say, hey, this quarrel hasn't ended though. Have you noticed that there are no Germans involved? And no Germans, no Jamaicans. But the people are still fighting. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. So let's look for that blessing by making peace. Make peace. It's better... To do the right thing in every relationship, I'm telling you it pays off. It's better to do the right thing than to be the one who is right all the time. It is better to do the right thing. You see, don't use your life to learn it. We learned it earlier than you and we are telling you. It's better to do the right thing than to be the person who is right. I've said something about easy to be untreated again. I want to say it again to be untreated. You can change your mind. A servant can change your mind. Your wife can change your mind. Your husband can change your mind. Your friend can change your mind. Your teacher can change your mind. You shouldn't have this mind that cannot be changed. The bishop says, what is the use of a mind that cannot be changed? Yes, you, don't, you believe that uh, all whites are racist. Change your mind. Allow your mind to be changed. You believe that, oh, African Americans don't like Africans. Look, try and be someone whose mind can be changed. Once the thing is not the word of God, try and be persuaded. When you are given the word, try and be persuaded that this is a better way of living. You get me? Try and be somebody who can be advised. The way you cannot be advised is not good. Cannot be advised. You see, when I meet someone, I met a a lady recently through work. She's been married for 41 years. You get me? And when she said it, and I looked at her, I said, wow. But that person, even if they don't go to church, they can teach you a thing or two. They can teach you a thing or two. Her husband has survived cancer. She has three or four grandchildren. She is still working. I couldn't ask her her age because I met her through work, but she must be quite old. Both her children are almost 40. So she must know a thing or two. You get me? So so, so try and be someone who can be advised, whose mind can be changed. Even God Almighty, he says, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as. Snow. Even God, knowing what you and I have done, He says, Come, let us reason together. But you, when you make up your mind, that's it. He is bad. I am living. She is bad. She is a witch. I will not talk to her again. When you make up your mind, that's it. Why? God Almighty Himself. He knows who you are. You see, God is never deceived by any of the versions of ourselves we present to people. Since I heard Bishop saying that thing, I've never forgotten. He said, we all have versions of ourselves that we present to people. But uh, sometimes the version we are presenting to people does not correlate with the version we really are. And you are a better Christian when the version you present correlates with who you really are. The people who really know are the people who live with you. Your spouse is never deceived. Your children, by the time they are getting to 9, 10, 11, they have a very good sense of who you are, how you react to things, what you will do, what you will not do. Make no mistake, the, even the, the most polite child is not deceived. Not deceived at all. And as for your spouse. You yourself know that your spouse is not deceived. I got, sometimes I can look at my husband, I can tell what he's thinking. Sometimes he can look at me, I can tell what I'm thinking. It doesn't matter what smile. Recently we were talking to someone, and when we got in the car, he said, stop smiling because you don't, you don't, you didn't, I didn't say a word, but I've learned how to put a smile on my face. But he knew that this smile, there's a whole lot going on behind the smile. And I can also tell when he's just being politically correct. Because... Everybody has to learn sometimes not to say you can't say everything you are thinking is not right. Is it to be and to change your mind when you have a disagreement, even with your child, especially the ones who are growing? Can your mind be changed? The place is quiet. I don't want to go to law school. I don't want to go to medical school. I don't want to be a doctor. The nonsense that we hear these days there is a lot of nonsense. But can your mind be changed? You see, we grew up in a place where even if you weren't poor, going to school was a big deal. So if you notice, the children who come from backgrounds where they are relatively hard up, no joking with school, the people who have more than they can carry, they are the ones who think that education is an option. And that they are doing somebody a favor. When they write exams, professional exams, when they, recently I, I said to one of my sons, if you want to go, go to the medical school. If you don't want to go, don't go. We are tired. <laughs> we, we, we are tired of trying to convince you to do something for your own good yeah. I, I mean I, I, I mean, he was surprised I didn't raise my voice he said if you want to go go you don't want to go don't go and his father said and you should have added when I told his dad he said and you should have added that and live with the paycheck that you will get from the the course you are insisting on doing yeah. it's very simple and he said and then next time so the next time I added it because you know how sometimes men talk to their children through you I added that one. And then he said, then also add that and I have a cut-off age for provision. <laughs> there is no way coming from where I'm coming from that I'm going to spend all my 50s and 60s taking care of anybody. So everybody, able-bodied, with a normal mind in your head, I have a cut-off age. And, she, and he told me his is cut-off age for that particular son. And I told him, he said, so you should be counting the years as you are thinking of what you are doing. Because the three years, every year, they are reducing. And one day, you will be at zero. It's a good policy. Since we told him that, I haven't heard anything about not going anywhere. Very good policy. It's a very good policy. Can your mind be changed? But maybe sometimes the child really cannot do it. You see, sometimes some of the children, they are really struggling. But I am am yet to see a child who is struggling in this church. A lot of the time is other reasons. But if your child is really struggling and cannot do something, can your mind be changed? Ask yourself. That's the kind of uh, part of everybody's life. It's up to you and your child. Proverbs 29 verse 1. Proverbs 29 and verse 1. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that's without remedy. Please give me a more reader-friendly version. Whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. That's a good one. Suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. Because, you see, you stubbornly refuse to accept criticism. Stubbornly. It doesn't matter what anybody says. I know what I'm doing. I'm American. I'm 18. I'm 21. I'm 18. You're 18 and so what? Look around you. Most people have been 18 already. And so if, if if we are saying that this is not the way to go, don't do it. When you are talking to an older wife and she says that this too shall pass, it's difficult now, but it won't always be difficult. Listen. Lady Reverend tells a sad story. She said the lady told her, I'm leaving him now. And Lady Reverend said she was justified. And Lady Reverend is a very kind person. So when she says somebody was justified, it means that adultery is involved. All the biblical, the biblical reasons for uh, leaving a spouse were involved. She didn't go into detail. She said, reconsider, he's begging. He's begging you. He says he's sorry. He says he will change. She said no. Nope. Lady Reverend said, take your time. She said, I don't need time. Lady Raymond said, don't get a lawyer yet. She said, I'm a lawyer myself. <laughs> Every, Lady Raymond said, everything she said, she had an answer. She went to the court, she filed, I think there was a 14-day filing or something. And he didn't respond. So it went through. So she said she had forgotten about it. One day she got a call. The person was crying. The fact that if somebody's crying that doesn't mean that they are they are right. The person's crying, he, I mean, she couldn't even tell who is this? is this? Who is this? When the person identifies identifies herself, she says, what's the matter? She said, he's getting married. And she said, ah! I told you to forgive him. You said no. I told you, I know it's difficult. Pray about it. You said no. I told you, give it some time. You said no. I I said, okay, you can move out but don't go and file. You said, I am a lawyer. You've done your own filing. But you let, you, 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 you've divorced the person and you don't want him to remarry. It, it doesn't work that way. Even the people who have stayed, some of them, their husbands have become polygamous. Then you, you have gone. I mean, how does it work that way? It does not work that way. And then she was crying and crying some more. What are you going to do? So when someone is trying to advise you, listen. The, the wisdom from above, it is easy to be entreated. <laughs> you are leaving your wife. Oh, woman. Kofi says I should close. Kofi, I'm almost done. He's just doing his job, but he's right, I should close. Listen. You are leaving your wife. What does Bishop say? It says, All women are the same. So I'm quoting the Papa himself. All women are the same. And to which uh, one time someone said to us, Mrs. Saki and I, the first Mrs. Saki and I, that all women are quarrelsome. But since we know that his wife is more quarrelsome than most people, when he left, he was a senior person, so we, we didn't answer when he was there. When he left there, and then the first Mrs. Saki told me, but Some are more quarrelsome than others. We literally rolled on the floor with laughter we laughed, we laughed so much every time we see him we say in our heads some are more quarrelsome than others but all women are the same according to the men who know so as you are saying that you are leaving your wife maybe she doesn't do something you don't like she does something you don't like or she doesn't do something you want her to do you will go and pick somebody who is good at that thing but the person will also not be good at something else the bishop said recently in one of the quiet time passages, be satisfied with your portion. Have you seen how when you go to a buffet and you want to watch what you are eating? You can't eat everything. Be satisfied with your portion. Your wife is always cooking and shopping. Take it like that. Some people are quite hungry where they are. Some people are scavengers in their own house. The wife makes a lot of money. She doesn't want to cook in the house. Take it like that. Some people too want a wife who makes a lot of money. Without food. Money without food. It's like, whatever you have, take it like that. We, you, you pray that one day the verses in the Bible will speak to her. But in the meanwhile, take it like that. You are changing for what? What are you changing for? What are you going to get? It's another of the same kind. The next thing I want to—I want to read. Let me read First Peter two twenty three as I close. First Peter two twenty three, that applies to all relationships, all of us, whether you are married or not married. The Bible says in First Peter two twenty three. He, please give me the King James first. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Do you have it in the message, please? Or if you don't have the message, the NLT will do. They called him every name in the book, and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. That's it. one of the best versions of the verse I've ever seen. Lady Raven calls it one of her favorite verses in the Bible. They called him every name in the book, and he said nothing back. Most of us are not good at that. And that's why our relationships don't work. That's why marriages don't last as long as they used to. You get me? Because if you call us even one name, we must call you 10 back. And we are neither German nor Jamaican. You call us one name, 10. Easy. We will multiply it for you now. If you do two, we will do 50. You do three. We have reached hundred. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. That's Abigail. You see, everything about Nabal and all his suffering, everything had been going on. But you see, we have to learn as Christians to let things go. Lady pastor, you don't know my story. You don't know what he said. You don't know what she said. You don't know the abuse have suffered. But you can't have suffered more than somebody who was hanging in a, on a cross at the time Jesus was hanging on that cross. You can't, he was stripped naked. He was giving the most difficult and the most cruel punishment known to man at the time. In those days, there were no laws that said that even a prisoner cannot be treated a certain way. In this country, you can go to jail or even be be sentenced to death yourself for maltreating a prisoner. Because there are things which are known as cruel and unreasonable forms of punishment. That's how he died. And he said nothing. In Corinthians, it says that love suffers long. But you see, we have watched so many movies and read so many silly novels that we do not understand that love suffers, even that one. Before it will even suffer long. Even the suffering. We are not used to suffering being involved in loving. Let alone. Then long, suffering long. Okay. So how will your marriage last? Because there is nothing you will suffer. How will your marriage last? You will not suffer anything. You know your rights. You defend your rights. You are both prosecutor and defender, prosecuting the other person, defending your territory. Hey, one person, even in the courtroom, only one person. That's one side. And then there's a judge. By you, you are judge, prosecutor. Why? No relationship you have will last. None. So let's end here today. They called him every name in the book and he said nothing. I want to suggest to you that Abigail was that kind of a person. I haven't done the message justice because there's no time to do it justice. But for that, some? Of, these are some of the few things I learned from it. If you want to survive, if you find out from people who have worked somewhere for a long time, they know how to live with their superiors. They even know that somebody is my superior. By you, nobody is your superior. You can't work anywhere for a long time. Even somebody who is somebody older than you cannot be your boss. Let alone somebody younger than you. A lot of young people are people's bosses. And they are doing very well. Every name in the book, and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence. We don't suffer anything in silence. Once we are suffering, everybody will know. Everybody will know. They have a saying in this country Ain't mama happy? Ain't nobody happy. <laughs> ain't mama happy? Ain't nobody happy. You are not happy. Your husband must be unhappy. Your children must be unhappy. All your relatives must be unhappy. Even your friends, if they smiled, it is wrong. Hey, ain't mama happy? Try and be happy quickly. You are depressing too many people. The Bible doesn't expect you to do that. The Bible says of the Proverbs 31 woman that she openeth her mouth with wisdom. And the law of kindness is in her tongue. You may not be a woman. But when you open your mouth, let some wisdom come out. Let the wisdom that comes out. Let it be godly wisdom. Godly wisdom. from. Give me that verse in James. For the, for the one that talks about godly wisdom. Let it be godly wisdom that comes out. Godly wisdom. Godly wisdom that comes out. It is easy to be entreated. I I just want to see the verse in the King James. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Verse 14, please. But if he, no, let's go on. I I don't have that much time now. The, The next one. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Full of mercy. Be merciful. The Bible says again, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy is one of those things that when you sow, you just receive mercy. And everyone needs mercy. Everybody needs mercy from time to time. You need mercy. If not all the time, you need mercy. So show some mercy. Show some love. Show some godly wisdom. Learn some godly wisdom. Live some godly wisdom. I shouldn't even say learn some godly wisdom. We all know enough godly wisdom. The question is whether we are prepared to live it. Live some godly wisdom. Let's bow down our heads and pray briefly. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for showing us that there is a difference, pray for yourself, difference between godly wisdom and earthly wisdom. Deliver us from the wisdom of this earth. Deliver us from the wisdom that is earthly and sensual and devilish. Help us, Lord, with the wisdom that is from above. Bless us with that wisdom. Help us to walk in it. Help us to suffer long. Bring glory to your name and know that in due season you will deliver us. Thank you so much for your word. If you are here today, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I suggest to you that it is the wise step to take. It is the first wise step. The Bible says that the fool had said in his heart that there is no God. But if you will say today that there is a God, that you need his only begotten son to be your savior, I will pray with you. He will come into your heart. He will be your God and he will be your master. If we are all saved here today, we thank the Lord, we bless his name, we give him glory and praise. Father, thank you for your word, thank you for salvation, thank you for the blood, thank you for the wisdom to win souls. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving, amen. Amen, amen. Amen.